Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Hey, remember that kid back in the day who was perpetually grounded? So much so you never bothered to include him in anything because you knew he was grounded? The groundation never took. He never learned his lesson. It was part of his reality. He was always grounded. He resigned himself to being grounded, and so did everyone else around him. That's Russia. And this is Tony Cass today, Nation of Jake in for Tony today, alongside the great Ari Castle, the Chewbacca, to my Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I got you covered there, Ari Castle. Yeah, I've been giving a lot of thought to this Russia stuff, seeing as how it is the number one story, the only thing anybody's talking about. Sure. CNN is still going to try to make January 6th happen. They're always going to have some January 6th coverage, but right now, Russia. Everybody's talking about Russia. Look, I'm a kid of the 80s. I was raised on a steady diet of anti-Russia, anti-Soviet, anti-communist propaganda. Pretty much every film that I watched in the 80s as a kid, the bad guy was Russian. Sometimes it was overt. Sometimes it was a Red Dawn. Sometimes it was a Top Gun. I still, to this day, have no idea who they were fighting in Top Gun. I just knew they were Russian. That's it. That's it. So, yes, as the youngest Gen Xer, I am very much anti-Soviet Union. I'm anti-communism. And by extension, I'm anti-Russian. So don't give me this garbage about if you're critical of the president of the United States and the way he's handling this Russian invasion of Ukraine that I'm somehow pro-Putin or pro-Russia. I will fight you on that as a Gen X or raised on Cold War propaganda. Never, ever accuse me of being pro-Russia. But yeah, look, you're going to read a lot about these sanctions. Sanctions. This word. It's like, it's like in Ted Lasso. It's like, what is that? Semantic satiation? You say sanctions enough time, it just loses its meaning. I'm not playing on that. No, my plan is for my plan to work. But you know what they say about the best laid plans, right? But- said plan too many times. Words lost all its meaning now. Plan. Plan. Hey, you tell Man City that this man has a plan. Plan. Plan, plan, plan. plan. It's like sanctions. Sanctions. Sa- sanctions. Nobody's really asking what the sanctions are. They're just saying, yeah, we're just going to put some sanctions on Russia for invading Ukraine. And they've already invaded Ukraine. All right, the other day, Vladimir Putin gave this speech And it was all revisionist history. Look, bottom line is, Vladimir Putin, he misses the Soviet Union because he was one of the bad guys. Of course, he romanticizes the Soviet Union. He loved it back then. He was in the KGB. He could do whatever he wanted. He idolizes Joseph Stalin. All right. He's not going to be the kind of guy who's going to get upset about your sanctions. 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 Right. 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 Jim Garrity over at the National Review had a really good piece on this. Because I was just thinking that. I'm like, you sanction a guy like Vlad Putin, do you think he cares? He's calculated all this. All the guy does is calculate. He's the kid who got grounded. He's not going to let it change his behavior? No. It's just like that kid in the 80s who got grounded. You've already grounded me. I can never do anything. I'm just. I'm used to it. I am ground proof. You can't ground me anymore. So yeah, so Jim Garrity writes over here, One of the problems with using economic sanctions as your primary tool of deterrence in foreign policy is that eventually you're going to run into a hostile foe or force that doesn't care about trading with the U.S. or even money at all. In fact, 
It's fair to wonder how much money motivates any of America's current foes. Think about it. The Taliban certainly doesn't want, uh, doesn't particularly care about money. Uh, They're on a mission from God. They're on a mission from Allah. Iran has been hit with just about every sanction in the book. And no doubt it's had an impact on the Iranian economy. But the mullahs don't seem to care about that. Kim Jong-un, North Korea, they've been sanctioned many, many times. They live under sanction. You want to talk about the kid who's been grounded probably the most. It's Kim Jong-un, right? They just keep getting better at evading the sanctions. There's always ways around these sanctions. Sanction. Sanction. The U.S. and China are too economically intertwined to easily enact sanctions and that they're serious enough to alter the decision-making of China, right? I mean, right now, China, we can't even release movies that have anti-China bias. The the aforementioned Top Gun, they got this new Top Gun. Well, China was going to be the enemy in it. And they're like, ah, we can't do that. The new Red Dawn, China was going to be the enemy. Nah, can't do that. Nah, we're counting on that Chinese money in the Chinese market. In fact, on the new Top Gun movie that's still not out, how's that thing going to come out? They, they erased a, a, one of the patches on the back of Maverick, Pete Mitchell's jacket, because it, it had Taiwan on it. And China doesn't recognize Taiwan, so we've been bending over backwards to appease the Chinese for a while. So sanctions aren't going to work there. And then there's Vladimir Putin's Russia, a government that foresaw the types of moves the West was likely to make and planned accordingly. Uh, Russia has drastically reduced its use of dollars and therefore Washington's leverage. It has stockpiled enormous currency reserves, trimmed its budgets to keep its economy and government services going even under isolation. It's reoriented trade and sought to replace Western imports. But even more than that, for a greedy kleptocrat, Putin doesn't seem primarily motivated by money or his country's economic prospects. In Putin's address day before yesterday, it was a long stream of grievances And it's clear that what really enrages him is that Russia is not as powerful as it was when he was a younger man and the Soviet Union existed. Uh, He characterized the post-Cold War era as a time of injustices, lies, and outright pillage of Russia, and absurdly claimed that Russia always worked with Ukraine in an open and honest manner. And it's, it's silly. It's silly because there was a bunch of revisionist garbage history that he was spewing, but it doesn't matter to him, right? Again, he's the kid who's been grounded all his life. He's the bad kid. So, hey, do your worst. So what are these sanctions? That's what I want to know. I want specifics. What can you do to Russia to change their ways? And if, you, if, if sanctions are even going to work, are they going to work all incrementally? I mean, are, are they going to work like, oh, you better not cross this line or you're going to regret it. Crosses the line. Oh, well, this line. You better not cross this line or you're going to regret it. Come on. It doesn't work on the kid who's always grounded, and it's not going to work on Vladimir Putin. We're going to talk a bunch about Russia. We're going to explore some things. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on geopolitics. I just like to bring some common sense thought to these things we're all reading about. Because, mind you, most people, they're not following this closely. Most people are on their timeline. They're getting updates. They just see hashtag World War III. Will it get that far? What does a World War III even look like in 2022? It's not going to look like it did in World War I or World War II. Talking about cyber attacks, sanctions, counter sanctions. What's this do about gas prices? What's this do to inflation and how you can beat it? I've got some life hacks 
on how to beat inflation. You're going to stick around for that. We got that and a whole lot more coming up right here with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. All right, welcome back to Tony Katz today. Nation of Jake in for Tony. Figured I would hang out for a little bit. It's kind of like house sitting. It's fine. I got to sit around somewhere, right? So Russia is really the headline right now. Anybody who tells you otherwise is is clowning. Of course, you're going to see some other stuff come up. Maybe the Freedom Convoy up in Canada. People are still talking about that. I think that's been mostly dispersed. The Prime Minister... Justin Trudeau, who is definitely not the love child of Fidel Castro, uh, he says he needs these emergency powers to continue for another month or so just to track down anybody who had any kind of dealings with the protests up there in Canada. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You probably see some stuff on that, but mostly it's Russia and everybody on your Twitter timeline or your truth social timeline <laughs> everybody's become an expert in geopolitics. Everybody's a foreign policy expert now. I'm not one of those guys. I don't claim to be an expert. Uh, I will ask questions. I'm just still using my rational mind. You know, a lot of times people are afraid to ask the questions, what does this stuff even mean? They say, sanctions, sanctions. I want to give you sanctions. It's like, okay, but, but what are the sanctions? A lot of people won't even read deep enough to find out what the sanctions are. They'll just say, sanctions? Come on, what's that going to do? Russia's not going to respond to sanctions. They've been sanctioned enough. We sanction people all the time. It doesn't really change much. just makes them angry. just strengthens their resolve, really. You know, the Russian people, you know, these are people, if you go back far, deep into the history of Russia, I mean, there's a reason why they cried when Joseph Stalin died. You know, Joseph Stalin was a brutal dictator who killed millions of his own people. And the, the Russian folks were very scared after Stalin died because they were like, but he kept us safe, right? So, yeah, when you sanction Russia and try to make their lives more difficult, then they're going to be like, no, no, no. So he didn't do anything. It's, it's Putin. Here's the deal. Vladimir Putin is accountable to no one. When you sanction a country, the pressure is supposed to come from the bottom up. But it only works if a leader is accountable to their people. Vlad Putin holds sham elections where he gets 99% of the vote. He's a dictator. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Do your worst. They've actually been preparing for this. So I don't think the sanctions, at least at the, at the level that they're coming in, are really going to change anything. I think they've already been factored in. Now, yesterday, it was President Biden on a teleprompter announcing these sanctions. Here's how it sounded. So let's begin to... Uh... So I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And by by the way, those sanctions in 2014, they didn't work. If you recall, in 2014, Russia took over Crimea. Well, there were sanctions. There were red lines drawn and Vladimir Putin stepped right over him and he took Crimea anyway. Russia goes further with this invasion. We stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare? Okay, that that line right there. There's got to be some parentheticals. Hey, maybe say it with a feeling. You know, who in the Lord's name does Vladimir Putin think he is? That's not something you can just read off a teleprompter, but that's kind of Joe Biden's deal. I mean, I really don't think he's running the show. They just say, hey, go out there and do your best there, Joe. Read that teleprompter. 
I'm not buying it. I'm not feeling it at all. Now, as far as these sanctions go, let's get into some details. They're kind of boring. Uh, President announced full blocking sanctions on a Russian development corporation, the VEB Bank, and Russian state lender Promsevilbank, whatever, a bank that starts with a P and it's in Russian, as well as targeting Russian sovereign debt to cut Moscow off from the Western financing there. They've they've put some um, oligarchs on notice. They've sanctioned some individuals, some high-profile uh, sanctions on some of those those infamous Russian oligarchs, and they've also gotten sanctions from the UK, from Canada, just to further isolate Russia. But again, Russia has been insulating itself against these sanctions for some time. What are these sanctions going to do? Well, President Biden is very open and honest about about what what can happen as a result of these <laughs> of these sanctions. I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at the Russian economy, not ours. We're closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We're executing a plan in coordination with major oil producing consumers and producers toward a collective investment to secure stability in global energy supplies. It'd be nice to be energy independent at a time like this, wouldn't it? I mean, gas prices are already pretty high. You're what three fifty or so? Ari Castle up in Indiana, where you where you roam. What's it cost to fill up your tank right now? Uh, three thirty, three forty. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's that's a lot. Of places like California, you're looking at six dollars a gallon. Some places, you know, in the in, in the heartland on the far flung Tony Katz Radio Network, we're feeling it, but not like they are on the coasts, man. It's it's pretty insane. Now, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest bargaining chips was this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Shortly after President Biden decided to shut down the Keystone XL pipeline and shut down all the fracking and all the drilling, which got us damn near energy independent, he immediately went over with Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of of Germany, and decided to, to lift sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline last July. It was July of 2021. And it was a really head scratching move. You're like, wait a second, you just you shut down a pipeline here domestically, and now you're going to the OPEC countries, and you're saying, can you produce more oil so we can buy it? One of those countries being Russia, the second biggest producer of oil in the world, third largest exporter of oil, to cut a deal to, to give them a pipeline to Germany. Hmm. Interesting. But there's a lot of uh, revisionist history on our side going on. Uh, Jen Psaki was talking about the Nord Stream 2. She was asked yesterday doing her mop-up duty for the president. She was asked about that pipeline. Check out what she had to say. Well, I would first say that, um, you know, the president has never been a supporter of Nord Stream 2. We've- Excuse me? Excuse He was never... I'll say that one more time there, Jen Pasaki. Well, I would first say that, um, you know, the president has never been a supporter of Nord Stream 2. We've- then, then why... Why, in God's name, would he have lifted the sanctions on Nord Stream 2? Why was that Why was that even an option? If he was never for it, always against it. Always, except for that time he lifted the sanctions from it, right? Always 
uh, criticized it as uh, as uh, a project that we didn't support. We took a range of steps and sanctions, including sanctions, to make that very clear. Uh, what the announcement made by the German Chancellor today was uh, not by accident. It was at the conclusion of a range of diplomatic engagement and efforts by the President and members of our national security team and unity uh, from the Europeans about the fact that this could not move forward. So we you were for it before you were against it, essentially. I mean, this is pretty amazing because, look, it's not just that. In January, I think January 13th or so, Republicans in the Senate, in the United States Senate, they, they moved to pass sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia to Germany. And you know what happened? Democrats in the U.S. Senate used the racist Jim Crow filibuster <laughs> to block those sanctions. So we're talking about, it's a little over a month ago, about five weeks ago, there was movement to sanction that pipeline because of what was going on in Russia. And let's not forget, a lot of this really started to bubble up after that marathon press conference from President Biden. When he said, uh, maybe misspoke, maybe he was thinking out loud, he went off prompter, he's talking about sanctions on Russia. And he said, well, we'd have to figure out if it's a minor incursion or a full-scale invasion. Now, I don't think that that necessarily had anything to do with the timeline for President Putin of Russia to go in, but it got people talking about it. It got people talking about, wait a second, you're saying a minor incursion, just maybe a little bit, just the tip, you know, going over into Ukraine, that, that's okay. It, what it did was it signaled to President Putin of Russia that, yeah, yeah, it's going to be just a, uh, they're on the fence about what kind of sanctions, what kind of consequences there would be. If there's an invasion now, right now, you're seeing all these headlines and it's a fluid situation as it is right here on Tony Cast today. You're seeing all these different headlines like a full scale invasion could begin within 48 hours. The invasion has begun. It's already there. When Vlad Putin can recognize parts of Ukraine as independent countries and then roll tanks in a quote unquote peacekeeping mission, the only peacekeeping going on there is Vladimir Putin is going to keep pieces of Ukraine and make it part of Russia like he did with Crimea in 2014 when Joe Biden was vice president. That's what peacekeeping means when he's already rolling tanks. So, yeah, a lot of lawmakers, Ben Sass, Senator Lindsey Graham, they're saying these sanctions are too little too late. The time for this was yesterday, day before, weeks ago. You know, when you saw this coming, because everybody did. They've been saying this is an imminent invasion. For weeks and weeks and weeks. And yes, by criticizing the president, it does not mean I'm pro-Russia or pro-Putin. In fact, criticizing the president is probably the most pro-democracy, pro-American thing you can do. I was raised on Cold War propaganda, y'all. More of this coming up right here on Tony Katz Today. I welcome back to Tony Katz today. I believe Tony Katz today will be back tomorrow. He's on his way down to sunny Florida for the CPAC. Big old CPAC convention down there. That's where I met Tony Katz. Nation of Jake in for Tony. Hanging out with you. Look, I figured I would hang out for a few hours before I did my own radio program called The Nation 
of Jake on WKIM in Memphis, Tennessee. I got a podcast, whole thing, Spotify, iTunes. Just go check it out, Nation of Jake. But yeah, Tony Katz and I, we met at CPAC, I believe in 2012. It was the Romney year. And so, you know, Tony Katz was there doing his radio program, wherever he was doing it at the time. I don't know. It was so long ago, 10 years ago. Good Lord. And I remember meeting Tony through some other ne'er-do-wells there at CPAC. Because look, CPAC, look, I'm a conservative dude. You know, I'm right of center. But man, that whole scene, it's wild. It's like the most icely cantina of conservatives. You know, some regular folks there, but there's a lot of grifters, a lot of scum and villainy going on as well. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. Everybody's got their own little business card, their own cause. And then there's Radio Row. And you go, and this is where you're going to hear Tony from, is Radio Row. I'm just trying to paint the picture. You have all these tables set up and all these radio show hosts, and none of them know how to use the equipment. Because I was a radio engineer when I went. I used to work for a guy named Rusty Humphreys, right? And so I was like Rusty's tech guy. And I was the guy behind the chair, (laughs) or the guy in the chair, like Ned from Spider-Man. And so everybody else was there by themselves. And so they're always asking me to help them with their gear. So I was like tech support for all these radio show hosts. So I became fast friends with a lot of them. Tony was probably one of the coolest dudes that was there, most down-to-earth guys. Because, man, everybody thinks they're a superstar, right? And I remember meeting Tony, you know, in passing. Yeah, hey, I'll help you with your stuff. And then later, you know, uh, you get a few beers in me. I'm yelling at everybody on the street in Washington, D.C. I mean, whatever it is, I don't know if I, if I met you I would just call you out and yell at you. And I remember screaming from a cab about Tony Katz and his, you know, luscious mullet. Because at the time he had kind of a mullet, right? And so we became fast friends. And fast forward, you know, we, we reconnect doing some radio and whatnot. And then he has me filling in for him. And then, look, I was out of work for a while. I got fired. If, if, you're, if, if you haven't been fired in radio, you, you haven't been radio long enough. Ari Castle is going to learn that lesson one day. He, True. he denies it. He denies it. He's like, I'm never getting fired. I'm a superstar. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you just wait. And I'm going to live wait. forever. Yeah, no, man. Hey, you're invincible. What are you, 29 now? 30. Young, 30? How, how did you age two years in like six months? Amazing. Know, how t- time is a flat circle. <laughs> and, I, and I say all that just to say this. Man. When I was down and out and I didn't have a gig, Tony let me fill in. So even though it's going to be a long day of radio for Nation of Jake, happy to do it. Happy to be here with you on Tony Katz today, but not tomorrow. Not doing it tomorrow. You're going to enjoy Tony Katz live from CPAC tomorrow. Look, I saw this tweet. Did you guys see this one? See, here's the thing. Twitter is amazing because anybody can post pretty much anything they want. I even like the big news uh, outlets, you know, CBS. They'll just post stuff like this. Check out this tweet. The U.S. economy has been hit with increased gas prices, inflation, and supply chain issues due to the Ukraine crisis. <laughs> what? This has been going on since since last January. Oh, we you shut down a Keystone XL pipeline. You know, pandemic has wrought havoc on the supply chain. You you've had a lot of problems for a year or more, and you're going to say it's because of the Ukraine crisis? That just happened like yesterday. There's there's no way you're going to be able to gaslight people into believing that Vladimir Putin is the one who's responsible for our domestic price uh, increases, our inflation. I mean, there's a lot more to do with our domestic policy 
of printing a ton of money, not producing our own oil. And CBS News is going to casually tweet that out. And here's the thing. Some people will believe it. Some people will go, oh, that's what's going on. Yeah, it's it's the Russia-Ukraine stuff that's got the gas prices so high. Uh, No, no, that's, that's actually not true. Um, it's it's a, a host of other things. All right. And and look, and I'm not taken up for Vladimir Putin. All right. This idea and it's been tweeted out again. You know, Twitter's a cesspool. I, I'm still I, I still go back to it. Keep going back. You've got people on Twitter like CNN's Casey Hunt, this Matthew J. Dowd fella. Hell, John Brennan from the Obama administration. All of them are implying that if you are critical of the president of the United States or blaming the president of the United States that you are somehow pro-Russia, pro-Putin, pro-Soviet Union. Here's a tip. Never, ever accuse a Gen Xer of being pro-Russia. And I get it. I know the distinction. Russia is different than Mutha Russia. It is different than the Soviet Union. You know, they try to teach us that lesson on some of those late model Cold War movies. But I grew up on the original stuff, man. Red Dawn, War Games. You were a little young for this stuff, Ari Castle. Did you ever see the original Red Dawn? I have. Yeah, yeah, but you probably saw it a bit later, right? I saw it when I was little. I was way too young to watch that movie. I saw it when I was in college, so in my 20s. Okay, all right. So you you were already being indoctrinated by lefties when you saw it. Correct. See, I was like seven, and I saw the original Red Dawn in like 1984, 85, scared the bejesus out of me, and that was the point. Because if you're a little kid, and you're watching this movie where, you know, guys like Patrick Swayze, C. Thomas Howell, pretty much half the cast of The Outsiders, driving around in trucks, you know, in their rural Colorado town or whatever it is, and they're all at school, and all of a sudden these paratroopers start parachuting down, you don't know where they're from. You assume Russia, Cuba, Russian-backed Cubans, they're, they're parachuting down, and then all the kids are like, holy hell, I've never seen a paratrooper before. And they look out the window of the school, and immediately, these Russian-backed Cubans, they just start opening fire on these kids and just murder all these children. And all these kids' dead heads and arms are, like, falling out of the windows of the school. And, yes, it was traumatic, but that was, that was the 80s. We were unsupervised, watching films we shouldn't have, and being indoctrinated against Soviet Russia, against communists. It continued. Top Gun. I have no idea, to this day, what was going on in Top Gun. I mean, I don't know what kind of conflict it was. I just knew that the F-14 Tomcat was going up in dogfights against these MiGs, and I just knew that MiGs were Russian. That's all. That's all I knew. So, again, I was like seven years old when that came out. So, Russian, bad guy. Always, always. Rocky Four. could it have been more over the top? The propaganda? The jingoism? The patriotism? But still with an uplifting message. Of course, Rocky Four, you know, the villain, is Ivan Drago, who was pumped full of steroids. He kills Apollo Creed, spoiler alert, he kills Apollo Creed in an exhibition match. And so then, Rocky wants to avenge the death of his friend, But he has to go over to Mother Russia with a fantastic training montage in the snow where he's like lifting logs when the band Survivor with the great Jimmy Jameson at the helm is singing songs like Burning Hearts. Amazing. 
But even at the end, you know, Rocky Balboa tries to get the speech about how we can all change. And that's when they try to get more uplifting about it because they didn't want any anti-Russian crime, I guess, I suppose. And then there was this film, you know, the Ruskies. There was this movie called Ruskies that I recall from when I was a kid. It had Joaquin Phoenix in it back when his name was Leaf. He wasn't always Joaquin. He was Leaf Phoenix. That's right. River Phoenix's brother was Leaf. Their parents were hippies. They named their kids after nature. And so Leaf Phoenix and all these kids, they find a real-life Russian. And his name was like Mishka. Mishka Busky Busky. And then what they, and they're all indoctrinated like me. You know, they're all anti-communist, anti-Russian. And so they think he's the enemy, but they find out that he's just a human, just like them. And that we are all, we are all flesh and blood and we are all people. But I, was, I wasn't buying it. I was a little too old by then. I'm like, nope, nope, not going to fall for it. This is, this is, this is pro-communist Russian propaganda. So look, one of the most American things you can do is criticize the president of the United States. It doesn't mean that you're pro-Russian. It doesn't mean that you're pro-Soviet Union. It doesn't mean that you love Vladimir Putin. Here's this old story that the Gipper tells. Uh, Ronald Reagan from back in the day. He said, you know, an American guy and a Russian guy are talking. A a Soviet Union uh, citizen of the Soviet Union. A subject. And they're talking about how great it is in their countries. And in America, you know, the American says, we can go into the president's office and bang on his desk and tell him, what a horrible job he's doing. And the Russian says, it's no big deal. We also can go into General Secretary's office and bang on the desk and tell him what the horrible job the U.S. president is doing. See the difference? Yeah. So, yes, I can criticize President Biden's response on all this from his uh, ill-timed, ill-fated press conference talking about minor incursions and sanctions depending on how... Um, how minor the incursion or major the invasion is. You know, levying sanctions on Russia that are just kind of like a line in the sand that he just keeps drawing and redrawing. Uh, I, we can be critical. That's, that's our right. That's our right as Americans, right? So don't, don't just miss me with all this stuff. Look, it'd be, it might be different if we're talking about Ronald Reagan. If we're talking about a guy who, who won 48 states twice, we're talking about a guy who had high approval ratings, a guy who was presiding over a booming economy. And no matter what they tell you, what kind of graphs uh, President Biden shows you about job creation or wages increases, it's not, it's not true. What's the, what's the gas pump telling you? This is a lot more like the Carter administration than the Reagan administration. It's a lot more like 1979 than it was 1989. And don't let anybody tell you different. All right, coming up, coming up, look, inflation, they're saying it could hit 10% because of this Russia-Ukraine crisis, that it could add to the already high inflation. But luckily for you, on Tony Cast today with the Nation of Jake, I offer you a life hack to weather through this high inflation. This is probably the greatest life hack, really, of all time. So be ready and take note on this one. It's Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. Grease the Meat Man. That's right. 
Grease the Meat Man. Ari Castle, producer of Tony Cassidy. You ever grease the meat man? Is that a sex act? No! No, why would you say that? It sounded well, like it. No, I was talking about inflation and, and life hacks to combat inflation. You grease the meat man uh-huh. at your local grocery store, buddy. Uh-huh. That's how you do it. You know, you're seeing empty shelves. You know, you're seeing high prices with regards to meat. And look, you're, you're, you're a guy who's got a, a somewhat new place. You probably got a grill, right? You like to grill out meats, mm-hmm. steaks, oh, yeah. burgers. Sure. But you don't want to pay full price for this stuff, especially not these prices. So you have to grease the meat, man. This is something I picked up, you know, with the rising prices of meat. I was like, I'm not paying this much. I'm not going to do it. So what I what I like to do is go uh, cruise the reduced meat section. You always get the best prices on the stuff that's about to go bad. The sell or freeze by date. I live by it. I don't know what kind of, well, you guys got Kroger's up there or what? We oh, got yeah. Kroger around Love here. the Kroger's. Yeah, okay. All right, the Kroger's, so to speak. I don't know. People got Harris Teeter. People got all kinds of different, you know, brands of grocery stores. That's trying to be relatable. All right, Castle. You go to your Kroger's, and what you do is you find the guy who's in charge of putting the reduced meat out in the reduced section, and you grease them. You know, usually these guys have a little bit of a drinking, not problem, but habit. And so what you do is, you know, slide them a pint of Evan Williams, find out what they like to drink, and just tell them, hey, when you're about to put out some good meats, text me. You and you grease the meat man. You in the middle of the grocery store hand the meat man a pint of of, of beer. Okay, listen. Have you been to a grocery store since when is the meat section in the middle of the grocery store? What, it's not. What if it's in the, the back what if corner? The guy who stocks the meat is underage. Still, it's even better. Oh my you're going to be like his only source. This, so this... no, you have to grease him. Look, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be so overt. All right, you can be a little bit cooler about it. You can just like, you know, strike up a conversation. A little you bit know, cooler. see if you're into the same stuff. A you little know? bit cooler about paying off the meat man. I don't think you get any cooler than that. You just got to chat him up a little bit. Maybe you're into the same shows, you know? Like this, maybe he's oh into Peacemaker. Maybe he's into Righteous Gemstones. I don't know. You just you chat him up a little bit, make him feel important. <laughs> if I were stocking meat and some random person walked up to me and was like, hey, you like The Mandalorian? I would run. You wouldn't ask him if he likes The Mandalorian. I don't know. I can't imagine a scenario. You might wear your weird. Mandalorian helmet. You know? It's going to be weird. It, it, it is kind of weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, but it's, you're, you're asking very good questions. But what I'm saying is it works. Because what I found out is he told me, he's like, look, I'm not going to text you. Friday morning. Be here at Friday morning, 9 a.m. And so for the past few weeks, I've been going Friday morning, 9 a.m., up to the meat section of the Kroger, and the place is stacked. half price steaks, top sirloin, New York strip, all kinds of cuts of meat. I got a chuck roast for like $8.79. Regular price was 18 bucks. I'm getting all this half-price meat, and what really made me do this, grease the meat, man, was I, I recently got a beer fridge in my garage. Yeah, Uncle Bob upgrading his fridge. He gave me his old one. So I'm like, man, I got this whole freezer. I need to fill it with meat. Except if you're going to fill a freezer with meat, that's expensive with these prices. So what you have to do is you have to incentivize the meat man to give you the heads up when the reduced stuff gets out there. But what I have to do... I got I to gotta peel off the reduce sticker after I buy it because my wife is not on board with this. My wife's the kind of person, she won't drink the milk the day after the ex- expiration date. So if she sees that big fat reduced sticker on the meat, she, she's skeptical. She's like, come on, dude. I'm like, well, hey, look, I put a lot of work in greasing the meat, man. I mean, it's cost me, you know, $10, $15 in booze 
Yeah, slipping him some Evan Williams. He's in the bourbon. But yeah, you have to take advantage of these things, man. These are these are just like life hacks that I want to share with you and all those on the Tony Katz Today far-flung radio network. Try it. You know you're going to do it now. I yeah, planted the seed. I guess if I end up in jail, I, you're, you're not, not going to gonna go to jail. You, you don't hand him the booze. You just kind of set it down there in the meat section somewhere and just kind of give him a knowing glance. Hey. Oh, my God. I feel like we're in a spy movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like a Soviet spy movie. You know, this is combating inflation. This, this is the kind of stuff that, I mean, quite frankly, no disrespect to Tony Katz, you're not going to get this on Tony Katz today normally. You, you will definitely not get this on Tony Katz today normally. This, this, is, this is fantastic content. Wisdom is what it is. Grease the meat man. And it's also really fun to say, you know, I'm thinking t-shirts, grease the meat man. What do you think? At Nation of Jake on Twitter. Hour two coming up on Tony Katz today.